This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Jump straight in. We're talking out of Matthew 7. If you've got your Bibles, you'll know that it's the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. So the verses that we're going to be focusing on are verses 24 to 29. And you should all probably, once I read it, you'll all be like, oh yeah, yeah, we know, Andrea. It's about the house built on rock and the house built on sand. Yes, you all know it. Do you all know a little song about it? Yes, Sunday school kids. Look at that. We all know a little song about it. Right. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The Sermon on the Mount is really long. Okay, so it covers verses five to seven in Matthew, and this is the very culmination of it. And in it, Jesus covers so much stuff. Now, historians are divided, theologians are divided as to whether it all happened in one go. They think maybe that, you know, the people were following Jesus and actually this was segmented. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible gives it to us in two complete chapters. It doesn't say, and Lord, Jesus went off and had a cup of tea and then came back and continued teaching. It didn't say that. It said that Jesus taught them this. And it's boom, boom, boom. Shall I read to you what he says before we get to that house of sand, house of... Yeah? Yeah? Two chapters? You in? I won't do it. I won't do it. It starts off in verse 5, okay, with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, people. I mean, do you know what? Sit down and have three months off, Jesus, because that in itself is life-changing, paradigm-shifting, the topsy-turvy world of the kingdom of God in a nutshell, isn't it? Where everything that we are in Christ and everything that we have in Christ is described to us. That's how he kicks off the Sermon on the Mount. Flipping heck. Just you, mother. You're the only one who thinks that's amazing. Here we go. So there's the Beatitudes. Then he teaches about salt and light. Amazing. Then he teaches about the law and how he is the fulfillment of the law. Then he teaches about how we deal with anger. Then he teaches about how we deal with lust. Then he teaches about divorce. Then he teaches about taking vows that you don't mean. Then he teaches about retaliation. Then he teaches about loving our enemies. Then he teaches about giving to the needy. Then he teaches us about prayer and gives us the Lord's Prayer. This is in the same sermon. I've got one and a half, I've got three points, 1.25 of them are okay, right? And he's given us all of this in one go. So after the prayer, then he teaches about fasting, then he teaches about money, then he teaches about worry. And at the end of that, he teaches about criticizing others, he teaches about asking, seeking and knocking, he teaches about finding the only way to heaven, he teaches about the fruit that you can see in people's lives. And at the end of that, he teaches about people who build their houses on rocks and their houses on sand. Amen and hallelujah. The people on the sermon, what do you mean like that? No wonder they were amazed at the authority he taught with. This is life-changing stuff. And what I would say to us today is that even as Christians, we haven't grasped how life-changing this stuff is. This is the freedom that Martin described earlier. This is the freedom we hold on to in Christ. These two verses encapsulate everything. I say it again. 
everything about how we should be living our lives. And we cover that in Alpha, don't we? Alpha is amazing. If you haven't been, or if you did it like 10 years ago, come again, because the new one is amazing. It's, it's absolutely life-changing. And it reaffirms all those stuff that I already knew. And I think, Lord God, I need you so much. I need you so much. A fresh outpouring. Fill us anew. Yes, fill us anew. So here we are, and we've got all of this. And God gives this word through Jesus. Because don't forget now, Jesus says, I only ever say to you the things that the Father has told me. So God is given here, aside from all the miracles that Jesus performed, aside from his huge, huge, thank you, Lord, sacrifice that he made for us. This is Jesus giving them the heads up before he goes. Do you see it? Jesus is going to go to the cross. And he does all these signs and miracles. And he tells everyone how much he loves them. And then he does this sermon and he says, but this is what you're going to need to do when I'm gone. Yeah? Now, you see, I do IABC on a Friday night, and I'm actually quite au fait with hecklers, okay? And I'm okay with the informality of people going, yes, that's right, Andrea, I'm actually okay with it. On Friday night, they pushed me too far, and they did have a bit of a telling off, some of them. So I warn you, you know, my thread is not infinite. If you cheese me off anymore, there'll be tellings off from the front, and I don't care, I will name and shame, okay? So, écoutez-moi. Let's all get into it. Yes? Because this is good news. Yes? This is okay, good news. Okay? So, Jesus then asks us to do two things. In order, this is the foundation, the two chapters here, that is the house through the foundation. Do you understand? Uh, still only you, mother. I mean, I don't know what I've got to do. Genuinely, I don't know what I've got to do. What do you want me to do? Tap dance? Get a monkey? Well, come on. Right? So those are the two chapters upon which Jesus says, if you build your life on what I've just told you, that is the foundation for your house. So that the storms can come and go, but the peace of God you will know. We all know where the song? I'll sing it. No, James is like that. I've uh, got access to a mic and a piano. I'll regale you with that later. So this is the foundation. And Jesus asks us to do two things. You see, it's a cause and effect issue here, isn't it? If you hear and obey, it goes well with you. If you don't, you will crumble. Yes? So it isn't just about hearing the word. Jesus is asking us here to do two things. And this is my first point, okay? So Jesus asks us to do one thing. First off, he says, I need you to hear this. And then I need you to do it. Got it? Yeah. Thank you! <laughs> At last! Do you know what you were going to get after? You're going to have an extra biscuit. And I'm not even joking about that. It's done. Consider that done. Thank you, Andrea. Yes. Now, listen. So we have a choice. Yes. So God says... <laughs> the biscuits are going to be doled out here. Guys, you snooze, you lose, right? That we haven't got that many, and I will be in charge of them, okay? There's loads there. Be quiet, Sharon. We don't need to know. <laughs> Tell them that there's just not that many. God gives us a choice. So we have a choice to hear and do, or a choice to not hear and do. And the choices in the Bible are always the same. You either choose God, or you don't. Right? So that is what Jesus is saying here. You can have a choice to build your life on this firm foundation by doing what I'm asking you to do, by hearing it and putting it into practice. You see, even back in the Garden of Eden, God says, here's your choices. You choose good 
or you choose evil. Yeah? You choose not to eat the fruit of that tree or you choose to eat the fruit of that tree. Further on in the Old Testament, God tells us, you know what? I'm giving you two choices. I'm giving you life or death. Now choose life that it may go well with you and your descendants. See, God always gives you two choices, but he encourages you to the good choice. God will always encourage you to him. So he will never say, here are your choices, do what you want. God says, here are your choices, but, but oh, my heart is that you would choose me. And our choices, we can call it good and evil. We can call it good and doing not so good. But the bottom line is you either choose to do your life for God or you don't. And the mistake many of us make is we mistake good for God. So we can live a good life, a really good life, but that doesn't necessarily make it a God life. So our lives follow this trajectory of pleasantness and, you know, Storms come and go and we wonder why they come and go and we wonder why our lives become decimated. We wonder why it reduces things. We wonder why our circumstances trample us. But it is because we have chosen good rather than God. Do you understand? Very often we put those good things into our lives and God's going, I didn't ask you to choose that. I asked you to choose me. I didn't ask you to do anything other than what I'm asking you to do. Can you hear me, Andrea? And are you doing it? I'm saying, well, I can hear you, and I'm doing my version of it, God. And he's going, but I didn't ask you to do a version of me. I asked you to do me. Do you see? And the, the preachers we're having over the last few weeks, isn't it? It's all about purpose. It's all about identity. It's all about self-worth and not being defeated by the circumstances that come against you. And what we need to hold on to in our lives is we have the power, the God-given power to choose in our laps and we don't. Okay? That's how that works. So God is saying all of this stuff, all of this stuff, what I would really want you to do is hear it and put it into practice. You know, Jesus says, doesn't he, in John, I think it's John 15, no, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you love me, you'll obey me. It's really simple. It's really, it, uh, you know what? Life isn't simple. Okay? Life isn't simple. Emotions aren't simple. Emotions are sloppy. Okay, life is difficult and it comes with highs and lows. It can be amazing. It can be absolutely devastating. There are things in our world that really are sent to try us. But take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. And we grip on to that which he is telling us about everything and start to own some of our own stuff, which says maybe some of the stuff happening to me is because of the choices I made. Because there is a choice. There is always a choice. You know, we were talking about this in, in the house the other day with family. That, why was evil in the garden? If God created the garden, why was evil there? But you know what? It was. And there was a choice. And you get to choose. The word evil nowadays, we don't like to dress it up as evil, do we? I, I'm really convinced in the 21st century, we don't like to dress evil up as evil. We like to dress evil up as a number of other things. We like to talk about issues. We like to talk about, you know, unhelpful behaviours. We like to talk about offending behaviours. We like to talk about choices, and people have their choices, and absolutely, and I would fight to the death for democracy and for all of you to have the freedom of choice and freedom of speech. I truly would. But you know what? Let's not make the mistake of getting hoodwinked by the enemy who says, look at all the choices I give you, and it's because it's your own free will and it's your choice, it can't possibly be bad. We mistake that. Evil is evil. I am furious this week. Furious. I really, truly am. 
James is laughing, he knows. I am furious because I have had four cases cross my desk of child sexual exploitation in this county alone. Does that not infuriate you? Does it not infuriate you, church? That young people are being taken for nothing, that they are commodified for sex, that they are being the most vulnerable in our society, are being given over for things they were never meant to be given over, bought and sold like chattel. That is happening in our communities, and we will do all we can to address the issues of the people doing it. And I say yes, okay, I will always abide with people, but it is evil, and I stand against evil. Do you see what the mistake we make is when we try to do the good and not the God? God says, if you come against these little ones, put a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in a lake because I have nothing to do with you. Do you understand? That we forgive. There is always forgiveness. But we cannot stand silent anymore and put up with the injustice being meted out to the most vulnerable in our societies. We get a choice. We get a choice. We get a choice, and Jesus says, and guess what? I've recruited you into my army to do something about it. Yes? Onward, Christian soldiers. Except I'm a bit busy at the moment. You know, I'm having my quiet time. Good, awesome. Read your Bible, do your praying, but get up and fight. Yeah? You eat, time is short. And I am furious. <laughs> I am, I know. But you know, I'm the acceptable face of fury right now you know it's it's just about that indignation that this is being done to people and we play small sorry i'm going off on one i have made a note in my notes saying don't go off on one too late <laughs> too late forgive me jesus time is short we're wasting time bring people to alpha bring them to team night invite them around for lunch bring them on a sunday morning Talk to the person on the desk next to you about Jesus. Talk to the person on the desk next to you and say, this is wrong and I won't stand for it in this team, what these people are doing. And this is the ethos we do. And this is how we're going to deal with it. And yes, we're employed by the NHS, but this is how this team deals with it. And you tell you what, you stand up for that, watch your teams go, yeah, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Because it isn't about good, it's about God. And God is love. Do you get God is love and he will stand against the darkness? We just sung it. We just sung it. But we have to believe it. And Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do all this stuff to build a foundation because we disempower ourselves if we don't. Do you see what we do to ourselves? Which brings me on to point two. Now, Jenga. It's not Jenga, it's generic Jenga. Other brands are available. Okay? Jenga comes into play. Watch this. Now, this is like, I quite like Jenga. What I get really annoyed about, I told you I'm furious this week, didn't I? Yeah. What I get really annoyed about now is that everything nowadays has to be educational. Do you get really annoyed about that? Even TV programmes. I grew up with Crystal Tips and Alistair. That was not educational in any way, shape or form. It was nuts. Now it's all like, hey, Bing, what's wrong with you? Let's count. Are you... I'm like, oh, no, for goodness sake, can't we just have fun anymore? So this is quite, it's not educational, and that's why I like it. Imagine if Cluedo was trying to be invented today. Let's market a game about murder to who? Eight-year-olds? No. No, it wouldn't happen, would it? Would it? God bless the 70s, that's what I say. We didn't mind having games about murder. Now it's, oh, no. Oh. 
maths when you're playing a game? No. No. There's a time and a place for maths. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's really again. Right. Do you know what? I'm. This is the work of the enemy. <laughs> do you know? So now, this is what we do. So you just see all the things you've got here. This is what we forget. Okay? Are we all said? Oh. My clothing is in place. I'm a mighty woman of God. Oh, there we go. This is your foundation. This is not a building, even though it's a tower. This is your foundation. Now, this is what God says. There are prerequisites that I expect from you because you love me. We don't get an extra pat on the back for being forgiving. Right? Do you understand this? I'm see what I'm saying. It's always good to bless people. Right? And it's always good to do that. And it's always right to be forgiving. Is it not? But that's the very minimum that God expects from us as Christians. Do you know why? Because he forgave us. He's in heaven going, oh, and then you forgave that person. It's a special round of, it's a special gold star from Jesus to you for forgiving that person. He doesn't say that. Why? Because he expects us to forgive. The whole basis of the Christian faith is that we have been forgiven. And we have been forgiven in order to forgive. Read the Sermon on the Mount and he tells you, I'm forgiving you, so you forgive others. BTW, if you don't, you're not forgiven. Do you understand? We make forgiveness this huge thing. And we, you know, we do expect special commendations from Jesus for the stuff we do that Jesus is saying, but that's all this stuff. That's all this stuff. I don't expect you to criticize others. That's all this stuff. You know, the specs and log stuff is amazing, isn't it? I love that. I love that bit. It's in, it's in verse 6, where he goes, you know, you're so quick to tell others what they should be doing, but you haven't stopped to have any insight in what you're doing. That's what it basically is, isn't it? And what we do when we pick and choose, it is not a composite gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is not the sum of its parts put together. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an entire and whole entity. It is a thing. Okay, it isn't bits and components that we can work on and put together and improve as time goes on. Yes? Because you are forgiven. You don't get more forgiven the longer you've been a Christian. Do you see? So you don't have to practice your forgiveness because Jesus has said, I've done it. I've done it. Leave that. Now you do it. See? So what we do is, okay, some of them are easy. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'm guessing none of you have committed murder. Yeah, high five. Great, okay? So none of us have committed murder, but how many of us get angry? So when you get angry, see, what you do is, it's like low-hanging fruit. Your foundation becomes compromised. So we think, but I'm a good person. I'm not murdering. I'm a good person. I'm not sexually assaulting anyone. I'm a really good person. I'm not doing any of that, so my foundation is solid. If you are living with anger in your heart, putting myself right before the Lord right now, you compromise your foundation. And do you see how easy that was to pull out? I mean, Jenga's a game of skill, discovery, and joy. But, you know, some of them are, some of them are harder to get out, don't they? You have to take a risk and really pull hard. Quick and painless like a plaster. That's what we say in our house. But some of them, it's low-hanging fruit. That's the devil gets you. He picks the low-hanging fruit. She's a bit angry. I'll get that bit out there. Look at that. And your foundation's compromised. You know what? Some of us might never lust after people. That might never be an issue for us, that we have to live with that kind of lust in our heart. But we might lust after stuff. 
We might lust after promotions. Yeah? We might lust after handbags and shoes. God forgive me. You know? And that's another bit of low-hanging fruit. But God's got you straight away because anything that takes your way, your way away from Jesus, anything that takes your eyes off Christ, is not Christ. You're making an idol out of your life and Jesus is going, but it's all about me. So this is the foundation. The foundation is whole and complete. Some of us may never have an issue with money. We're like that. Jesus, I'll give everything to the poor. And Jesus is going, I draw you back to my foundation, Andrea. That's absolutely what you should be doing. But I might keep my tithe back when I'm a bit short. Oh, I said it. Do you see where I'm going with it? I might think to myself, I, this month I won't give what do, what's due to God because I'm short. Now listen, nobody miss your mortgage payment because you're tithing. Hear what I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying, right? God wants you to be whole. But if I am using my cash to address all my needs and I'm not giving to God, and I'm speaking for me here, not you, okay? That is my low-hanging fruit because if I can miss one month, I miss a couple of months. And if I start with my money, eventually I'll start with my time. I can't be bothered to go tonight. I'm tired. I've been at work all day. Jesus went to the cross for me. And I whinge about being a bit tired. Speaking for me, church, don't, don't pretend that I'm speaking for you. I'm speaking for me. I'm a bit tired. I do enough for the church. Ever heard anybody say that? I do enough. Don't need to do any more. I do enough. Jesus died for me. <laughs> I got a long way to go. Do you know what I mean? And as soon as our foundation becomes pockmarked like this, it becomes compromised. So God isn't asking you to keep bits of it. God isn't asking you to be in a position where you go, you know what? I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm doing it all. I'm doing it all. I'm doing it all. <sighs> and your head is filled with this fuzz of being so godly. You're doing it all. Listen, we're all human and we'll all have things we struggle with. And we'll all have things that maybe we fall down about. Friends, there is the grace of God that covers that. Amen? Because your foundation is set. And God gets that. He's given you your foundation. So the winds come and go. They do. But buildings have give, don't they? You know? So you sway. If a building was set, set, it would snap and fall over. It's like your teeth. My dentist told me that once. I said, my teeth have moved. He said, well, they're not set in concrete, Andrea, are they? Which I thought was a bit sharp for a dentist, to be honest with you. <laughs> but they are. If you do that, your teeth move. Because they have to. Because if you try to eat, they'd snap. So things have to move. There is give. And God is going, you know what? I'm with you in this. The ebb and flow of life, how difficult it gets. You know, when the winds come, God's going, yeah, I've got you. I've got you. Your building is swaying but your foundations are holding. You don't need to worry about that. I've got you. So when they come, that's why God says we're built on a rock. He doesn't expect you to try and do everything perfectly because through Jesus' sacrifice, you are already perfect. Do you understand? In his eyes, you are already perfect. So he's not going, I don't desire perfection. I want obedience. That's what he's saying. I don't want you to pretend to everyone you've got it all together and you're doing it perfectly. I want you to hear what I'm saying and do it. So in that moment, when you feel criticism rising up, when you really, really, really want to gossip because it's delicious, you stop yourself from doing it. It is. Do you know what? Sin's amazing. 
And then, you know, let's all be honest, if it wasn't so nice, we wouldn't do it. You know what, if it was really, really, really horrible, we'd be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But there are bits of it that you think, oh, oh, that's just delightful. You know, I'm going to sit on my own, I'm going to watch a sad film and eat four Mars bars. You know, <laughs> come on. And God's going, it is for freedom, I set you free. And I'm like, yeah, but I feel like crying today, so I'm going to watch something that makes me cry and be miserable, and I'll probably be miserable to everybody else as well. No, God's going, hey, listen, listen, what about your foundation, Andrea? What about your foundation? Because I've set you in place to be a blessing to other people. They don't need to see a mascara running face. You know, what they want is something. Now, listen, when we're all together and things happen and tears move us, that is absolutely fine, isn't it? But making a choice to be constantly miserable is quite something else. Come on. Come on. Be with me here now. There are days we wake up and go, today, I have decided I shall never smile again. You know, today... I have decided to be furious. We do. We do. Today I've decided if that person comes in and gives me one funny look, she's going to get the sharp side of my tongue. Failing that, I shall just do this. <laughs> and blanker. Isn't it? Because who does that fury hurt? You. It hurts you more than anybody else. So that person's walking in just being themselves and you're sitting there, a fizzing ball of rage. They haven't got a clue. They don't care. They don't care about all the hormones you're releasing into your body doing you serious physical harm because you're so angry. They're like that, all right, kettle on? You know, and you're like that. Do you hear the way she said that? Do you hear the way she said with the kettle on? I'm being funny. And that's how it, that's the low-hanging fruit. That's how it gets us. No, there's an nth degree. This is a spectrum, isn't it? Where there is serious wrongdoing. And we all know that stuff is wrong. I'm talking about the stuff down this end of the spectrum that we explain away and justify. Listen, you have to justify anything in your life. You know it's probably not right. Because if you, you should, you know, if you're doing right, you don't have to explain yourself, do you? If there's anything down this part, you're going, yeah, but. Any sentence you have with someone that begins with, yes, but. Leave it. You don't understand. The thing is, you're justifying yourself. And we know when we do that, it was probably the wrong thing to do. I shall go away and reflect upon my behavior and emerge a better person. You know, because it's all about your foundation, because sometimes the low-hanging fruit, the stuff, the blocks get pulled out. But you know what? God is a God of restoration. And he replaces for the years the locusts have eaten. And you can build your foundation back up so that it is whole and entire and complete and together. Amen? Amen. With God, nothing is lost. No experience is lost. And the best thing about God, he says, later in the Bible, when you've gone through all of this, actually, actually, then you turn your experiences into something that can help other people. Do you see? You can say to someone, listen now, I know what you're going through. Let me tell you how I did it. Don't do it that way. So when you've been through something, you come back. Jesus says to Peter, doesn't he? I pray that you will come back and strengthen the brethren. When Peter's going, I won't deny you. I won't deny you. What does he do? He does deny him. He does deny him. But Jesus had already given him the reassurance. He said, look, the devil has asked to sift you like wheat. But when you come back, you will strengthen the brethren. So don't ever think that the stuff you've done wrong is the end. Because God is saying, now then, sit back with me. And when you're back, you're going to strengthen other people in my name. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Which brings us on to point three. I've talked quite a lot. I didn't even know I had that much to say, to be honest with you. I just thought we'll have a bit of chat, play a bit of Jenga. It'll all be good. So, no. I want to draw us to the close with that sure and certain knowledge. The people were staggered by the authority by which Jesus spoke because they'd only ever heard law before. And the law was a set of rules designed to keep them in chains. So Jesus said, you know, the law was given way back in the Old Testament to Moses. And he says, you're all so terribly naughty. What I've decided is there must be a law. There must be many laws. There must be many, 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 many laws. And because you have absolutely no chance of keeping every law, that's key. Right? There was no chance that you could be perfect in the eyes of the law. It was so hard. It was nigh on impossible. God set in place priests and high priests, and they would make sacrifice for the people. So it was the job of the priest to sacrifice lambs, goats, bulls, rams, birds, the lot. And that blood would cover the people and set them free from sin while that sacrifice was being done. For there was no atonement without the shedding of blood. In the New Testament, God says, do you know what? I'm changing it up. Now I've sent my son, and his sacrifice lasts forever. So now there is no need for sacrifice. Jesus comes and he says, I am the fulfillment of the law. We don't need to obey the law anymore. There is a new law, and it is love. Amen? So Jesus says, do you know what? I speak with authority because I speak with love. When you take all this on board, when we take all this on board, and our foundation is set, we then stride through our lives and preach and speak to people with an authority that is from Jesus. Do you see? He spoke with authority to the people so that we can have authority over our own lives and in our own lives. Do you feel in control of your life? Do you feel like Jesus is in control of your life? Do you feel like you have authority to walk out and preach love and speak love and be love over people? If you don't, I would probably suggest you need to go back and read Matthew 5 to 7 and get God into your life and say, where am I going wrong? But by your grace, you complete me and I can do this. The authority they spoke with was setting the people free. People are captives. In our world, there are captives, and it is our authority through Jesus that has been given to us as a royal priesthood, because that's what we are now. We don't need a high priest to sacrifice anymore. Jesus is the ultimate high priest, and he has made us all a royal priesthood so that we can go out and change people's lives through him, for him, and by him. Amen? Our job is to show people the way to Jesus. Do you see? And it's Hebrews 10. Read Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 is amazing and wonderful and should be on the school curriculum. There, I said it. It won't be. It'll never be. But there we go. Monday. It is on the curriculum here. Boom, boom. So this is Hebrews 10. Nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. It is up for grabs who wrote it. But Hebrews is an amazing book. It's the letter written to the Jews. Get it? It's the letter written to the people who had the law drummed into them from day one. It is the people who God has called chosen, but they wouldn't believe in Jesus. But there was a group of Hebrew believers, of Jewish believers, and an author, whether it was Paul, who knows, wrote this letter to them saying, you keep on keeping on. You will be persecuted for what you believe because you should be believing the law. You see, people don't want you set free. Do you understand that? The enemy doesn't want you set free. He wants to remind you of your past. 
He wants to remind you of that terrible thing. He wants to keep you in a place where you think your world will never be rebuilt. He wants you in chains. And Jesus is saying, I came for freedom. I died for your freedom. Embrace that freedom. And this is what chapter 10 says. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice, sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all. That's what you're saying. You keep coming year after year. You keep coming. We keep sacrificing. It's not working. And it goes on. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will. For he said, Sacrifices and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. Oh, I have come to do your will. He sets the side the first to establish the second. And that by that will, we have all been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Amen. It's done. It's done. Don't live that way. Don't be enchained and enslaved by that. It is done. And listen to how it finishes. This does me in. Okay. Remember those early days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Amen. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised for in just a little time he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one will live by faith and if he shrinks back I will not be pleased with him this is the line but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who believe and are saved Amen. Church, make your foundations firm. All you have to do is hear what he's saying and obey it. Don't be hoodwinked. Don't be hoodwinked. Be aware. Be attentive. Don't give a passive yes and think that's enough. Wholeheartedly embrace everything God has for you. Sometimes it's a narrow path and it make your feet hurt. But you are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. You are of those who are called and are saved. Amen. Have a good week. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.